have a copy of God's Word, uh, would you please turn to 1 Peter chapter 5? 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, out on the uh, table out there somewhere, I didn't check beforehand, but you can come and talk to me. I have some postcards about our ministry. would love to hand those out, um, and I'd love to tell you more about RUF. Um, as was introduced earlier, uh, my name's Lee Wright. I'm the RUF campus minister at UTSA, um, the 9-0 Roadrunners, um, AP top 25, um, unfortunately getting snubbed in the college football playoff poll, but we'll leave that aside for now. Um, but we, uh, my wife and I, uh, Sarah, moved here last summer in the middle of the pandemic, um, it was a great time for our family to move. Uh, it's really been a blessing to be in San Antonio. We live in Leon Springs. We love it. Uh, so it's not, we're not terribly far from you guys. Um, but it is a joy to be with you. Um, my wife and I both love ministering to college students. And um, it's, been, it's been something that's been one of the joys of our lives. Um, part of what we have to do, though, is we have to raise... 100% of our funds for uh, this ministry, and so I would ask for your prayer and also your consideration if you uh, would like to give uh, to our ministry. Your church gives, so we are so thankful for Trinity. Uh, thank you for uh, Carla and her leadership in the missions committee, so it's been a joy to get to know you all and uh, to partner with you uh, with gospel ministry. Um, and I, I just want to say thank you to the pastors who aren't here. Uh, to Alan and to Kevin, I really appreciate and love those guys. Uh, I'm actually sad that they're not here because I would want to, uh, I would um, rather not uh, be the only minister here. I would rather do this with them. Uh, but you are entrusted with some great men uh, as well as the elders of this church. And with that, I think it, the, um, the question has to be, uh, laid out of what is the church, and specifically what is church leadership all about. Um, and so consider that question as I read uh, from 1 Peter chapter 5, looking at the first five verses here. What is the church and what is church leadership? This is the word of God. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and its power in our lives. I pray that you would be with us uh, as we study your scriptures this morning. Um, thank you for uh, clearly showing us your way, and even your way of, of ministering and being involved uh, with your people and uh, with your institution of the church. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the reason I asked that question about what is the church is that uh, in campus ministry, this is something that just really irritates a lot of, a lot of college students. Uh, for many of them, they're leaving the church. They are so ready to get out of, 
uh, the church because they feel it's too constrictive or they feel like it's, uh, it, it's you know, doing something to their morality. It's making them not, uh, it's making them feel guilty. It's making them not, uh, you know, just be able to be free of, of whatever. And for some, it's actually a really freeing place. It's a really great place where they know that they will sing songs like what we sang. They will hear prayers. They will, they will hear things that are familiar to them, and they will give them hope. Um, and so if we were even to go to Main Street on Bernie, we would get a variety of opinions of what the church is, uh, even in a place that uh, is pretty conservative. And there's probably a lot of churches here. You would get a lot of positive, but you would also get some negative responses to what the church is. And really over the past year, there's been a lot that's been exposed about churches uh, that have done things uh, that, were, that were really awful. Um, I can think of, and I don't know if anyone has listened to this, but there's a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And maybe this has been mentioned to you before from the pulpit, but it, it's, it takes on the story of a man named Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll was the pastor of this church in Seattle, Washington. Very unchristian, very anti-Christian place. And he built a church of about 10,000 members in Seattle with many different locations and many different sites. And then it seemed like almost overnight, about nine or 10 years ago, the church just collapsed on itself. It was this really sad story, but as, as you began to hear about the culture that was, in, um, that, that was in Mars Hill, you found out that there was fear and power that were leading the church. Mark Driscoll was ousted, and like I said, the church completely folded, and it was just this really curious, really sad story. And so as you hear all of these things, and as you think about uh, just power dynamics, and, and I'm sure that there's at least one person that is familiar with this, uh, and, and familiar with how, how awful church leadership can be, right? Uh, there's at least one person here. Then you have to ask, do we even need pastors? Is it even necessary to have someone who is trained up theologically, who, who literally just comes in and preaches, and maybe for some of you, you might think like only works one day a week on Sundays, uh, or maybe an outsider would think that, but do we even need these types of people to, to pastor? Is this even possible? Is this even necessary? And I might be a little bit biased because this is what I'm devoting my life to, but I want us to say, to, to be freed of this idea and to say, yes, of course, we need pastors. We need someone that's theologically trained, but also there are some really key characteristics that we need to dig into of what it means for a pastor to be in charge of his sheep. And again, Alan and Kevin are incredible examples of this. These are men who care for you all, who aren't just professional ministers being away from the congregation, but they know you all, and they care for you, and your elders care for you. And so what, what Peter is talking about here are people who are engaged in the life of the congregation as pastors or as elders, and as we would say in the PCA, as ruling elders. I love what Eugene Peterson says here about the pastoral tradition and what it looks like to be a shepherd in a congregation. He says, the pervasive element in our 2,000-year pastoral tradition is not someone who simply gets things done, 
but rather the person placed in the community to pay attention and call attention to what is going on right now between man and women and one another and with God. This kingdom of God that is primarily local, relentlessly personal, and prayerful without ceasing. Even though we, we might look at the pastoral role as something that isn't completely necessary, it is so fundamentally necessary for, for our church. And it is something that, again, goes way, 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 way back to the very beginning of the church. And here Peter is calling these elders and asking them to shepherd as a way of saying, I know that there are men who, ha- who are, are set apart as elders, as fellow elders like me, who must care for the congregation and shepherd the church, the shepherd the church among you. And so we're going to talk about the shepherd's role. And the title of the sermon is that a shepherd is an unlikely leader. And the reason is that shepherds are un- unlikely people to, to be leading people. If you think of what a shepherd does, he spends a lot of time with sheep who are often away from the rest of the community, uh, who are often on hillsides, uh, who are sleeping a lot, but also caring a lot for shepherds. And, but I, but I want to step back a second to think about the, the idea of what a leader was like in ancient Israel. The religious leaders were the priests. And if I had, if, if I had a graphic of it, I would show you what a priest looked like. They were extremely distinct uh, in the way that they dress. I mean, we see it all throughout in Leviticus and in Exodus and other parts of the Scripture. God assigning particular clothing, particularly external garments, for how the priests should look. Uh, For them to not even have physical deformities so that they would be completely set apart from the rest of the people of God. And so in the life of of, of Israel, it was, it, you knew who the priests were. It's why in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus is telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, there is something that you can imagine as a listener of what a priest looked like as they were walking along the way, of what a Levite looked like as they were walking along the way. They were recognizable religious figures. And so the priests, one of their main, really what they did is that they served as intermediaries for the people of God. They, you could say it this way, they stood in the gap between God and man, and specifically as Israel. And really the, the role, that role of priest as intermediary comes to an end with Jesus. Jesus, the great high priest, if you don't know, is this intermediary. He is the one who sacrificed himself once and for all to, to not have to stand in the gap between God and and man, and so he becomes that bridge for us to know God. And so then there's a gap in leadership. What do we do? And so here Peter is answering this question with this Greek term that's presbyterios, or elders. And I want you to notice that he is using this plural word on purpose. He doesn't just want one elder to be in the congregation of people. He actually wants what we would say is a plurality, many elders, so that there isn't just a power dynamic of one single man that can possibly care for, but also possibly rule over all of the congregation. 
There need to be multiple men. And even when in, in our tradition in the PCA, when we plant churches, when we have ministries, even our ministry at the University of Texas at San Antonio is overseen by several elders in the South Texas Presbytery who, if there was a problem that, that arose, they could care for the congregation at UTSA, the people at, at UTSA. And so that's an important distinction that, that God does not want elders to go out on their own and try to do the work of the church by themselves. And as we look into this, this text, verses 2 and 3 are so important. I'm going to read them to you. Shepherd the flock, he's commanding us, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. His, his word here for shepherd the flock is really him saying, he, he's saying, you who are called, get up and, and act as shepherds. Take on this role of shepherding people. And I'm going to get to what specifically that means here. But one of the words I want us to focus on is where it says not domineering over those in your charge. And the word here actually has, has in it, the Greek word is kurios, which some of you might know is the word for Lord. And so he's saying, do not lord over them. And really embedded in there is, is this idea of don't feel like you have ownership such that you can have the power and, and feel like you own this person so that you can lord over your, your ideas of what to do with them. And so Peter is saying that, you that as pastors and elders, we have our sheep and we can care for them, but we, we cannot dictate their lives. It's such an important concept as I think of ministering to college students who at times can be crazy, who at times can, do, can make some of the worst decisions. I, I mean, I'm not talking about current students necessarily, but students that I've had in my care, who were great leaders, who I, I long to see as, as elders and as deacons in the church, just doing things where you just scratch your head and say, why? Why did you do that? And oftentimes, I'm going back to the place where I am simply praying for them and giving them the word of God and, and attempting by, by way of God to draw them back to himself. We have a saying in RUF that I love and that I cling to all the time that is that, it, that ugh, excuse me, God is at work. God is at work. And what that means is that God is the one who ultimately softens a person's heart, that cares for them, that allows them to believe, that allows them to walk according to the way, right? It's spirit at work in and through them. It's not me. It's not somebody else. That God has to be at work through them all, all along the process. And I'm simply a shepherd, a person that can nourish and feed them, but never can I claim them as my own because they're God's. They are the Lord's. In thinking of shepherding, um, my wife actually wrote a, uh, a Bible study, uh, excuse me, a, um, a devotional on this. And I love what she says uh, here, she wrote a devotional on the entirety of, of 1 Peter. She says this, in the French, the very form pascare means the, to lead to pasture, set to grazing, cause to eat, 
Embedded in the meaning of pastoring is leading, feeding, and guarding the flock. These meanings are apt, including the significance of leading the flock to a secure place where they can feed on grass. And what Sarah is actually doing here is she's taking our minds to a place that many of us are familiar with in Scripture, which is Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, the David, the psalmist says, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. And then further on, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We go there in order to see the goodness of God's grace. We must not miss the goodness of God's grace in giving pastors and elders to the flock. And in this passage, in verse 4, we see that it isn't ultimately up to the pastors and elders, because it is the chief shepherd who will appear in verse 4. When he appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. We need our leaders to be important, to, to know how important the idea of shepherding is. And so for this reason, and for the reason that I, I talk, talked about the difference of the Israelite priests, there is going to be a different external quality about how a, a pastor and an elder looks, and we shouldn't be startled by that. We shouldn't just look for the, the beautiful people or the people that uh, seem to have it all together, even the way that they speak. And so um, we need to understand that there are internal qualities that God is talking about and desires that are helpful and are necessary in pastors. Um, I, I've, I've found this... Um, this blog, as I was searching and, and thinking about pastoring and shepherding, that uh, a woman named Paige Lynn Trotter wrote uh, about modern-day shepherding, of how it felt like. She was um, a, a woman, I think, in her late 20s, early 30s, who was just trying to get a different kind of experience away from corporate life, uh, and she ended up being a shepherd, and it was for, a, you know, like as long as she wanted, it ended up lasting two weeks because she found the work so hard and so taxing. And I love this, uh, this quote that she shared on shepherding. She said, my sleeves smelled of raw wool. I'm not unfamiliar with the terrifying word tick. I'm sure you guys are familiar with that in Bernie. And the only uh, clean day any of my boots have seen was the day before I took them out of the box. This job is indeed grittier than most. It requires constant hydration and challenges me to open my mind and lungs daily. And there's so much to say about this quote, but in particular, I want to think about the term gritty that she uses. That as, as a shepherd, she found herself going up against the grain of, of some of the challenges that were going on with these sheep. And that's exactly what it looks like to be an elder in the church. You are fighting against the culture and people's hearts that are often desiring to go against what, is, what, what we are presenting as elders, as people who, who care for the flock. And so because of this, and I actually mentioned this on Wednesday whenever I came and spoke to, to a group of you all, one of the necessary things for elders is patience. And patiently, enduring with people, patiently walking with one another. And so what would it look like for us to receive our elders, receive our leaders, and love them and care for them, knowing that this is what they're having to endure? Knowing that they're having to endure patience, knowing that they're having to grind up against 
the challenges of the world. And then a question for my fellow elders here is, are we patient in our role? That's a tough question. I often have to check myself on that. Are we trusting in Jesus to do his work in his time, even if it's inefficient, even if we're not seeing the results that we want to see? And then how do we fight the urge to be domineering, to not lord over ourselves, to not know that we are the owners of the flock, but that we are simply caring for them and giving them the word of God and loving them in that? Uh, I heard a great uh, example, uh, a pastor in Nashville who had seen a great number of people coming to his church one year, um, partly because of the preaching of the word, but also because his church was just an attractive church to go to. And then about 15 years later, many of those people ended up going to another congregation. He met with the pastor of that church and essentially said that. He said, I am entrusting the sheep over to you for your care. I love these people, but I know that you do too, and I know that you will care for them well. And so how can we as, as church leaders, willingly give our people and love them and care for them and not hold grudges or, um, or, or see anything negative about them. And for those of you who may have been hurt by formal leadership, um, this is a real thing. Seek shepherds. Continue to sh- seek shepherds who can feed you and nourish you and care for you. But know that Jesus is that perfect and good shepherd. And he is, he is the one who may care for you, and he is the one who sends servants uh, to care for you. And so many of you guys are thinking, this sermon was not for me. What am I doing here? Okay? So I want to look at verse 5 and give you some encouragement. So verse 5 says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I think this is interesting, especially in this congregation where um, I am not the oldest person here, that uh, as an elder, I am am speaking to the majority of you as the younger, as as, uh, Peter would say. And again, he, he and Paul helped raise up Timothy, who was a very young man, probably a, a teenager, a late teenager, to go and be a minister. And so this isn't a dynamic of age, but simply as someone who is coming under the authority of the church, the younger, the people in the congregation. Um, And Peter is asking them to be subject to the leadership that has been ordained and has been called to this place in this particular time. We see the structures in place and, um, and, and there's two important things that I want to draw from it. That's trust, and then how you yourself can be involved in the structure in some great ways. So one of the most challenging things, especially for people in my age group to college, and probably many high school students as well, is to trust formal leadership, to trust the people that are in formal leadership and not just react against it. And so constantly, I am, I am encouraging students to both be in church, but also to be around people who they have to trust, their elders, um, for example. 
And it is really hard to trust people. But my encouragement with you today is if you are struggling to trust someone, particularly a leader in this congregation, to go and talk with them and to be encouraged to be in a relationship with them rather than just distancing yourself. That's the easiest way, is just to distance yourself from one another. Um, one of the, the most amazing examples of this that I can remember is during my time at UCF in Orlando. I had a student that was incredibly brilliant. She was a National Merit Scholar, one of the students who UCF actually paid to come to school. It was one of these type of students. And in one of our first one-on-one -on -one meetings, I asked her a very typical question that you ask a college student. So what, what kind of leadership skills do you hope to gain while you're at UCF? And her answer just completely confounded me. She said, I'm not a leader, I'm a follower. And as an American, that kind of feels like the wrong answer, right? Because uh, you're supposed to, have to be a leader in some way. But it's true that we all have to follow in some ways. And in, in the church, there's a trust embedded in following the leadership of this church or another church. It is a good thing, and you may receive some really beautiful things by way of following the leadership of this church that God has ordained. And then secondly, for yourself, as a church member, you're asked to bring your whole self into the body of believers. I love what my friends Jonathan Clark, he's a campus minister in uh, New Mexico, says. He says, practically, members should have at least one outlet where they are deploying their gifts and one inlet where they are receiving grace other than on Sunday worship. So in other words, one way that you are giving yourself to the church and the body of believers and one way where you are receiving other than coming and sitting and being here on Sunday worship. Um, Paul gives us <clears throat> um, just a, an encouragement from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and talking about the, in um, verse 28, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, the miracles and healing, helping, administration in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And if you know where he's going next, he's going to talk about love. He's going to talk about love being the most precious of the gifts and the thing that will, that will last beyond God's people being on this earth, that we will continue to love one another. Um, you'll notice the last commands in, in this passage is for all people to have humility toward one another. Peter is actually separating this, this out from his call to the elders and then to the congregation. And he's saying, all of you, humble yourselves to, uh, toward one another. And in this moment, we need to hear this, to actually put on this clothing of humility toward one another, to clothe ourselves and identify with our humility. Lastly, we're about to come to the Lord's Supper, and uh, I would be remiss if I weren't uh, to talk about the fact that church leadership ultimately in some way is going to fail. In some way, your expectations aren't going to be met. 
Uh, even at times, a sermon may, may be done wrongly. Um, there, there may be one thing that is said that is, that is incorrect, or one thing that is done that is incorrect. Um, in some way, pastoral leadership will fail. And so we do not follow our pastors. We don't follow Kevin. We don't follow Alan to the grave. We follow Jesus. We follow the chief shepherd because he is the one who came to this earth, who died the death that we deserve and raised, is raised from the dead. And he is the chief shepherd who feeds us. And he is the one who is, who is making a table for us so that we can, can enjoy life with him forever. So let me pray for us as we go to the table this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us um, this time this morning. We thank you for being good to us as we uh, consider the ways that you have put formal leadership as elders uh, in this church. I pray, Lord, uh, that you encourage our hearts, um, that you give us encouragement for the men who you have uh, put in charge of this, of this church. And I pray, Father, that um, you would continue to humble us as those who need to be humble, as those who need to be laid low, and as those who need to see you as the, the good and gracious uh, chief priest and chief shepherd in our care. Uh, Father, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.